Hello and welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. And this is a very special episode because today is Halloween, so we would like to wish you all a happy Abbey-ween. Yep. We've had yeah. a pretty active weekend, I would say. I think we had a very active weekend, and we should like, and we should definitely talk about it. Friday was October 28th. Mm-hmm. We both had work, but, you know, we were also getting stuff done. We- you had a show that night, though. Yes, I did. Grease Creepers played a show at the Bug Jar yeah. with our friends Lupus and Zero Level, which we had a great time doing with everyone. Yeah, it was a good turnout for it you was guys. A very good turnout. And it was the show itself was to celebrate Lupus's CD release. Yep, but Lupus they did had a great show and a great turnout for them. The album's called Probably Fine. Have their album posted on Bandcamp. They were also selling vinyls too that night so it was a good show everybody sounded really great and it was actually really fun because you and i have been part of the music scene for a long time well i have since well since 2011 for me well yeah yeah same my point is is you and i met through the music scene mm-hmm. eight years ago i've been part of the scene not as a musician but like as a patron a photographer i've just gone to shows and i've met people there and it's been a pretty good community for the most part. But going to that show Friday night, I saw a lot of old friends of ours I haven't seen in quite a while. And it's actually been so long for some of them that some of them didn't even realize who I was. <laughs> I was talking to a couple of friends of ours who I haven't seen in a while, but they remembered me. And we were all sitting at the bar. And I'm not going to name the friend who didn't know who I was. Didn't recognize you, yeah. Yeah, but he comes up and starts talking to my friend. And then he looks at me and he's like hi, I'm so-and-so, and I'm like, it's me, I'm Aaliyah. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, I don't look any different than I did eight years ago. Right, and it's yeah. just been, you know, it was fun It was fun seeing everybody there and catching up and everything, but it was a good show. I, th- I thought the turnout was pretty great. Mm-hmm. But we had a great turnout, it was a great time, and we came up on the stage and everyone had a good time seeing us. Yes. And there was a bunch of great costumes there that night as well. Yeah, and if you follow us on Instagram, I did post a reel from one of your guys' songs called Man in the White Suit. It's a good song. Yeah. Um, I like it a lot. Yeah, me and Tommy wrote it, so but I'm very happy with how that song turned out. Yeah, go yeah. check it out on our Instagram. And then, what was it, Saturday? Yep, the next night we The went. next day was Saturday, October yep. 29th. Yep. And for those of you who don't know or not from Rochester, Fright Rags, the company that's that's been sponsoring us since august yeah they are a well-known t-shirt company. t-shirt company that specializes specifically in horror merch mm-hmm. and they host and sponsor something called saturday night rewind specials at the little theater which is another local establishment in rochester new york mm-hmm. and for the entire month of october they've been doing horror movies like yeah. they, one weekend they did beetlejuice another weekend they did halloween this past weekend they did Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall, which I haven't seen that movie in a while. And I love that movie. First time I heard about Chopping Mall was when we were watching the In Search of Darkness. Can I finish? Okay. You are so rude. <laughs> so we watched the In Search of Darkness documentaries on Shudder, and one of the movies that they highlight is Chopping Mall. And you got a lot of celebrities on that documentary that had a lot of things to say about it. Brent Scrivens was even on it, the founder, founder. Of, the com- of the company Fright Rags. Other people, too. So you have Ben Scrivens, James Agenies from Dead Meat Podcast. You have Corey Taylor from Slipknot. You even have Joe Bob Briggs you from had, The uh, Last Drive-In. You had John Atkins. John Atkins? You mean Tom Atkins? Oh, you have Tom Atkins. I'm sorry, John. I'm Tom. Sorry, Wow, Tom. okay. So, I'm t- sorry, Tom Atkins. But speaking of Joe Bob Briggs, the reason why we went to the little theater over the weekend specifically was because it was not only a Saturday Night Rewind of Chopping Mall, but it was also a meet and greet event with Joe Bob Briggs and Darcy the Mail Girl. And that was a huge honor, just meeting them. It's a huge, huge thing. Like, 
here's the thing about Rochester, New York. Nothing really happens here much. And the only thing that's really like exciting for a lot of people is the Jazz Fest, which hasn't been a thing for a few years now because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And any sort of celebrity meet and greet at local venues like the Little Theater. Yeah. And it was a huge deal for the two of us as horror movie podcasters. You know, we we know of Joe Bob Briggs, but we've seen some of his specials. And he's a really good yeah. commentator on this type of stuff. Yeah, he's the male equivalent of Elvira. Yeah. But he's a cowboy. Right. Yeah. But it was a really fun event. We invited our friend Carolyn to join us, yeah, so we our, all got tickets. Our movie goer. Our movie and, theater pal. And you all know her, so <laughs> yeah. yes. So she's a big fan of Joe Bob Briggs, too. So when we told her about it, she's like, oh, we all got to go and go see Joe Bob. So we all got our tickets. We all met up. We went to the little theater. We stood in line for like 30 minutes to yeah, that wasn't do bad. the meet and greet. Yeah. And it was so cool because by the time we get down the stairs to where the merch table and Joe Bob and Darcy were, mm-hmm. I looked down and I see he's in a Scooby-Doo costume. And, and I'm like, she's in a Daphne outfit. Yo. I was like, dude, that's so fucking cool. And then Ben Scriven from Fright Rags was there along with like his employees from the warehouse were also helping out and stuff. Yeah. And, and we got to meet... Ben first. For the most part, I've talked to Ben through email. Yeah. I've never, like... Met him in met person. Met him in person. Yeah. So this was, like, a good opportunity for us to not only go and have a good time and meet Joe Bob, it was a good way to introduce ourselves formally to Ben. To ben. So we go, and we see Ben, and we're like, Ben Scrivens. He's like, yeah. And we're like, I'm Aaliyah Jones. This is Colin Bourne. We're from the Abbey Normal Podcast. And he was like, no way. And I was like, yay. We all know each other now. Yeah, he was so happy to see us, too. (laughs) It was awesome. He's like, thank you guys for coming so much. And it was, like, really, really big for us to be there. And I was really excited. And we talked a little bit about horror movies and... I, I want to get him on the podcast. We want to have, like, yeah, well, let's get him on the podcast. Let's have an interview with him. That would be great. I yeah, mean, it would for, be really fun. I feel like everyone would love this, like the well, viewers. When you're in that kind of environment, first of all, we're in a line of people. You know, people are trying to like move along. They're trying to like get their, because like when you're in the line, you first go to the merch table and you pick out what you want to get. They had Joe Bob Briggs t-shirts, posters, they had Darcy's calendars. I was kind of jealous um, of Ben's uh, Chopping Mall shirt. I really Yeah, they had that. Chopping was, Mall t-shirts. No, they only he only they didn't. They only had oh, the Joe didn't? Bob Briggs shirts. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wanted that Chopping Mall shirt though because well, you that was tight. You can get it on FrightRags.com. Yep. You see Abnormal yep, promo code. <laughs> yep, our promo code Abnormal10. You could get a 10% off. Yeah. Yeah, shop so, on their website. So, <laughs> it was really fun. We got to meet Ben, but we, like I said, when you're in a line of people and you, you, they're trying to move along before the meet and greet ended, you don't really have a whole lot of time to really get to sit and go over like what you want to talk about. So mm-hmm. I feel like having Ben on the podcast would be fun for us and for him to really sit down and kind of geek out a little bit about horror films. It would be, yeah, it would be amazing. And he told us about his experience of doing the In Search of Darkness documentaries, which was really cool. And I'm like, I like documentaries, you like documentaries, and I feel like as horror nerds, we have our own way of taking in that kind of entertainment because I like listening to other people's perspectives and point of views on certain things. And some people, especially... People who either work in the industry or fans of the industry have really good points when it comes to certain movies. Mm-hmm. So me being the geek that I am, whenever I watch a documentary and someone brings up a really good point about a certain category of horror, I pause and then I pretend like I'm giving my two cents in it and then I go back to watching the documentary. But it's just... Yeah, this is how weird she is. I am that weird lady, but you know what? <laughs> it's it, This is a horror podcast, and it's called Abby Normal for a reason, so we're all very Abby Normal people, so yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm looking at you like, really? But then we got to meet Joe Bob and Darcy, and they were really cool people. Joe was really nice. Yeah. Darcy was really cool. And they asked us, you know, our names. Because, like, my name's Aaliyah. It's spelled A-L-E-A. So, and Collins is spelled C-O-L-L-I-N, which is yeah, sometimes not... a traditional way of spelling Colin, but... Yeah, it's the European... Everybody spells it's, it differently. It's the English way. Everybody spells... It. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody spells names differently, so... I know Irish people, they spell Colin with one L. And yeah. And then um, English, they spell it with two L's. 
Yeah. Yeah, which... And then my name yeah. traditionally should be spelled either A-L-E-A-H or like the singer Aaliyah where it's A-A-L-I-Y-A-H. J. Well, there's a, with a J in it too. Does she have a J in her name? Yes, she does. Let me look it up. You keep talking. I'm going to look this up. Well, anyway, so as we're in line also and we're talking with Carolyn yeah, no. and everything. Oh, I thought it was with a J. It's nope. with a Y? Okay. Nope. But before we went into the movies to see the... Um, <laughs> to see the Choppy Mall movie. When we were in line, they were actually playing uh, Charlie Brown's uh, Great Pumpkin Patch. Yeah, they were doing like a little special. And I was just like, and I was just looking, I was just like, oh, I want to watch it. And the line kept moving. And they're like, come on, Colin. I'm like, I want to watch Charlie. (laughs) So I'm holding the poster. So when we got to do the meet and greet with Joe Bob, we decided to get a poster and a selfie. And we, you go up and they ask you, what, how do you spell your name? And, you know, we were talking to them a little bit and we told them that the next day, Sunday, October 30th, was our one-year wedding anniversary. Yes. So they're, they both signed it saying, to Colin and Leah, happy anniversary, love Joe Bob and Darcy, which I was so happy that they did. It was, that was the sweetest thing that they, you know, I've, like, I've, I've ever gotten yeah. from a celebrity, That's like complete. saying That's happy so anniversary. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So... We did that. We got our pictures taken. And I actually, yesterday, while we were out doing our own anniversary celebration, mm-hmm. I went and got a poster frame for our, our autograph poster. Yeah. And I'm going to go get our picture printed. I'm going to paste it onto the front of the poster. Yeah. So that way we have not only our picture framed, but the poster framed with it. So that way we will always remember this is like our first wedding anniversary moment with Joe, Bob, and Darcy. <laughs> it's just, it, for me, it's like a really geeky kind of thing. But, but I love it, though. It's fun. I mean, it was really fun. And then after we did the meet and greet, we went and found our seats. And then we sat down, we waited. And then when they finally started the whole thing, Ben came out and thanked everybody for coming and gave his own story about first time seeing Chopping Mall and first time meeting Joe Bob and Darcy. And, yeah. And I thought the way that he told Darcy's story was really interesting because Darcy is not really her real name. It's Diana Prince. Yeah. And she met Joe Bob at a convention. And from that first interaction that she met from him, she had be- would eventually become Darcy the Mail Girl on his drive-in specials. Man, I which wish I, thought, I had that happen to me. I know. That's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that you could ever have to start your career off. And ever since then, she too has starred in some documentaries. Like, she's spoken on documentaries. She's been on his show. She's been on other shows. She's been on award ceremonies and a bunch of stuff. Like, she's a really cool person. And like I said, it's the best story you could ever hear about somebody to get their start in the industry. So that was an interesting thing to learn. And then Joe Bob and Darcy came out. And you know how Joe Bob always does in the beginning of his specials? He always talks about the story behind the movie and how it was made and the people involved in it. And then he gives his drive-in totals, which he did. And it was such a huge thing for a lot of people. Like, everybody who watches his specials knows about the drive-in totals. And it's so fun to listen to. Yeah. And he talks about the actors in it, the directors, the producers, everything involving it. Jim Wynorski, the director, he said, you know, that's like one of the first things he opens up with. He's like, does anybody know who Jim Wynorski is? And very few people, like, clapped and cheered. And he's like, okay, well, it's really important that most of you know who Jim Wynorski is because he is the director of Chopping Mall. And he was talking about his uh, admiration for Roger Corman and all of his films. And then mm-hmm. Dick Miller, who was the janitor in Chopping Mall, who was also Which, in a bunch of yeah, Roger right. Corman films and all this stuff. And talked about the location setting of the movie taking place at, I think it's called like the Galleria Mall in California. Mm-hmm, it is. And it's also the location of other mall horror films, which I didn't even know that was a subgenre of horror until that day when he said, like, Chopping Mall is one of the best mall horror movies, which is its own subgenre. And I'm like, that's a subgenre of horror? Yeah, mall. Yeah, there's tons of mall horror movies. Yeah, well, I know that, but, like, Mm. mall horror is, like, not, it's not a subgenre I've ever heard of before, because it's, like, you know, we have horror movies that take place in malls and Mm. other locations, but we never really categorize them with those types of subgenres. Like, we have slashers, thrillers, ghost possession stories, Mm -hmm. found footage, 
I've never heard of mall horror before. So that was a new thing for me to learn about the industry. And it was just so cool. And one of the other things he he says too, like part of his opening was, you know, Rochester is known for a few things. He's like, but one of the things that I think a lot of people don't know about Rochester, New York, is the fact that in Rochester, New York, we have the Kodak Company. George Eastman was the founder of Kodak, and with it came a lot of these film industry makings. And one of the things that Kodak was special for is the nitrate film productions, which is very flammable and explosive. And he said one of the things that's very eerie about it is because it's so flammable, it's not really usually a smart decision for movies to or movie theaters to store them all in one location but rochester does well that's why there's that famous incident in hollywood years ago with that building with a bunch of those very old like universal right yeah universal had all those old like um flammable like uh reels and stuff yeah they had nitrate film reels which like joe bob said they're very flammable and can be highly explosive if not stored in cooler temperatures that's why i'm saying that because it had the famous the fame the most famous movie that was in it that no one can watch now is london after midnight with lon cheney senior yeah and i always wanted to see that film so for that happening to that burning up really saddens me yeah so rochester and i don't know if it's the eastman museum or if it's somewhere in the kodak company but somewhere in rochester there's a vault where they store all of the nitrate film reels in one location yeah joe bob said if those things were to ever spontaneously combust or you know catch fire it would really be destructive to parts of our city so i'm like huh well that's kind of frightening well that's refreshing to know thank but, you but they host they host these nitrate film festivals once a year where they bring all of the films out from these collections these vaults and they display them and showcase them for people to watch. Uh, it's sort of like a uh, vintage movie watching experience, <sighs> which I think is really cool. So, I wonder if they have London After Midnight then. No, no probably not. No. no, but I mean, it's a really interesting idea to think about. And I was so interesting to learn from him that you know he knew that about Rochester and the film industry. Well, he's a man of who knows film very much so. Yeah. And so, if anything, anyone who knows film knows that it comes from Kodak. So, of course, they research the facts, especially about us. Right. So, he, he tells us his speech. He talks about the movie. He does his drive-in totals. And then we finally get to watch the movie. I'm going to talk about our movie-going experience later because I want to get through our weekend. Yeah. You know, because yesterday, Sunday, was our anniversary. Yeah. So, we got up. Our one year. Yep. So, we got up. We went out, I got myself some Starbucks, and then we went to this thing called the Walk on Bourbon Street at Artisan Works in downtown Rochester. And it was essentially a crafts fair of all these different vendors. There was some live music, there was free caricatures, tarot readings, and it was just a really cool thing to go and do and have fun. And you and I got some stuff there, and I actually, I have a little paper bag next to me of all the business cards we've collected from all the different vendors oh yeah we're good at there. we like doing that which is fun because it's like when you go to these vendors i mean obviously small businesses have higher prices than most uh commercial companies <sighs> you know like amazon is cheap that's why like we like to grab the business cards when we go and see these people because it's like they have their own online stores you can reach out to them and say hey i want something custom done if that's something they can do and we met these really cool people, and some of our friends were actually there, too. Yeah, we had a few friends. Like, one of them, uh, my buddy, he actually was playing music there for the show, for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And he was playing guitar. And he's doing, like, the Funeral March <clears throat> and Ghostbusters and all these other spooky songs that he did on there. Actually, my personal favorite he played was Don't Fear the Reaper. Oh, yeah. Which, that was a good one. But uh, other than that, him and his wife, she was doing a lot of the vending. Of vending. Yeah. I didn't know she did that too. So she, oh yeah, she yeah she does, she does her own those stuff like that. she does those vinyl die cut projects, and yeah. she she's very creative she, like that. Yeah, she made yeah. a lot of cute like magnets. I bought a water bottle from her with all the different horror characters on it, which yeah. I can't wait which, to use. I'm surprised you didn't get the purple one. I know she had a purple one, which I didn't even know that that's what you were talking about when you said, "Honey, yes. look purple," and I'm like. Okay. I'm yeah. like, well, look at this bottle. And I'm like, that's the one I'm talking about. Oh my God. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It was still a good yeah. buy for me. And I got a bunch of other stuff too. 
Uh, we did a tarot reading, which was fun. Yep. And yeah, it was really interesting. And, and we, we met a lot, of, like we said, we met a lot of cool people there. Yeah. And then uh, after that, we went to dinner. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we got ourselves a frame so we can get it for the Joe Bob Briggs thing. Mm-hmm. And then we went to dinner, had a nice Italian. Yep. And then after that, we went home. We had, uh, well, I don't know about you, but I had the cake that we had for our wedding anniversary. Well, when we went to Walmart, I was like, now's our chance to get whatever bag of candy we want. I mean, we live in an apartment complex, so we don't technically get trick-or-treaters. Yeah, we're the the trick-or-treaters. But I'm like, I know a lot of people like tend to wait until the day after Halloween so they can get their Halloween discount candy. But here's the thing. Those things tend to go really fucking fast. Yeah, that's why you gotta go there early. There's a certain time in the day of Halloween where... Companies will be like, okay, now's the time we start to discount the candy. And then they go really fast. Exactly. So I was like, okay, now's our chance. It's not discount, but it's all going to be gone by the time we get to it on Tuesday. Exactly. So I'm like, okay, so we each grab a bag of candy. We go and get our pictures printed, which I got to go pick them up today. But we go and get our pictures ordered. I find some stuff for you, some stuff for me. And then we go home. And then we started watching Hellraiser 2, which I know we said we were going to do that eventually. It's like a remake debate. Yeah, we'll do that in a we future will, episode. We will soon, yeah, but... We're just taking our time. Yeah. I mean, it was a good day for the most part. Yeah, we had a very good, enjoyable day. And then today, we just might just... I don't know. I mean, we're going to go to some places, but we're mostly going to relax, you know? Because yeah. Because we did have a very busy weekend. Yeah. So, yeah. For the most part, yes. And also, I got these wonderful, comfy... Halloween pajamas, thanks to Aaliyah. Yeah. Yep, and they're all, like, dogs, but in, like, spooky costumes. hmm I love the dog with the vampire outfit on. Yeah, the little pug Dracula thing. I call him... I call him which, a... I call him a pug pyre. Which, by the way, I want to bring something up, so now I'm thinking about it. So... What? Last... Well, actually, no, we didn't have an episode last week. So, two weeks ago was the Dracula remake debate Mm -hmm. and I'm enunciating here because I realized during the editing for that episode I was mispronouncing the name Dracula you were saying Dracula Dracula like I was saying it with totally without the U oh my god and when I like I heard it the first time because I do a lot of the editing for the episodes so when I was doing the editing, I heard it the first time and I was like, oh, oh no. I'm like, um, okay. Like, and you're like, did I do any more? <laughs> well, no, because I was like, okay, I mean, you know, it's just one time, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But then oh, I God. heard it five more times and I'm like, oh no, oh no, oh no. I, I can't. I'm so bad at names. No, that's okay. You should say Dracula as your, as your thing. No, I'm going <laughs> to try to do better. Honestly, the thing about names is that... You're not good at them. Nobody's a good at names. Okay, let's be honest here. If I you're, am. I'm if the you're, only one. No, you're not. You're not as good as me. Yes, I am. <laughs> First of all, you're you're just as bad, if not worse, than I am with names. All <laughs> well, right? at least I know how to say Dracula. My point is, is that sorry, names are hard, yeah. and I know that a lot of people, especially in the entertainment industry and podcasters, particularly, when we try to pronounce certain names, there's a difference. Like when you read something on paper, you try to sound it out, and if it sounds good, you kind of go with it. But then there's things like the names of towns or the names of cities and states and countries and all this stuff. Y- you know, people try so hard to not be rude and offensive or arrogant and how they pronounce things. Yeah. But my philosophy philosophy is this names are one thing because the way a person pronounces their name is important like for me example as i said earlier my name is Aaliyah, but it's spelled a-l-e-a right yeah. on paper people think it's pronounced alley because there's no h at the end so it's there's no indicator of the ah sound at the end so when people read my name they say alley or ali or something like that and it confuses me because it's like, well, are they talking about me or are they talking about somebody named Allie that's spelled differently from mine? And that's important, right? Yeah. I feel like when it comes to the name of a town, <laughs> state, whatever, that's a completely different thing. That's one of those things where it's like, okay, you have to read it on paper and try to sound it out. If it sounds good to you, roll with it. If people get upset about it, guess what? it's a little bit embarrassing i got a story to back this up all right so mm-hmm. let me tell my let me tell this story because it's important so i think it was like a year or so ago like i think pre-pandemic or early pandemic i can't remember my father and i we went to go see sebastian maniscalco do stand up over at blue cross arena 
Okay. Now, if you're from Rochester or any part of the area surrounding Lake Ontario, you would call Lake Ontario Lake Ontario. You know, kind of like how people from Lake Mead call it Lake Mead or Lake Lanier or Lake whatever. That's generally how you would pronounce it. But people who are not from the area probably rearrange the words, right? It's not a big deal. It's still Ontario Lake. Like, it's still a lake called Ontario. Like, it's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? So, Sebastian Maniscalco comes up, starts his performance, and he opens up by talking about Rochester. That he got there the day before, was doing some sightseeing, said something about how, you know, you guys have a really nice lake. When he said Ontario Lake, the people in the crowd around me were weird about it. They started yelling at him, it's called Lake Ontario. You call it Lake Ontario. And I'm 28 years old with my father, who's 56. And I'm sitting there watching a bunch of middle-aged people yelling at this guy about the pronunciation of a lake. Which, by the way, it's a lake that smells like dead fucking fish. There's no reason for you to get that uppity about it. But my point is that that, to me, was embarrassing as a Rochesterian. Because now... People who come here are going to be like, oh, well, we better not offend people on their precious lake. Again, the lake smells like dead fish. There's nothing to be proud of with Lake Ontario. But that's besides the point. My point is, is that if you're the type of person who gets uppity about that kind of thing, you're the reason why people will never want to come here and visit. Yeah. What do you think? I have no opinion. Okay. Because I don't like, and I don't really give a shit about the Lake Ontario thing. So, everyone says it differently. So, if he says it differently, let him say it differently. It's just, it's kind of embarrassing because it's like, I mean, when... And just with me, when I hear people, like, say stuff like that, I usually just ignore them and let them go. But, like, I get what you mean, too. Yeah, I don't like that, you know. Yeah, like... That's why usually I try to, you know, bleep them out. Yeah, like, that moment itself was pretty embarrassing because it's like, for one thing, you're getting overly worked up by the way this person who's not even from here pronouncing a certain name of a part of your town or city or whatever when we went to massachusetts and you were talking with the lyft driver and you said the town peabody yeah but then he He, referred to as peabody yeah he politely said oh here we call it peabody i'm like oh which that's a polite way of addressing it when you're in a arena or if you're at like a public venue event and you're, like, heckling the performer for well, how he pronounced well, the name. Well, that is completely different because... That's in, a that's a very shitty thing to do. Yeah. Well, no matter what, even at shows, you're always going to be fucking hecklers no matter what. Yeah. You know, but where we were at, especially, it was a different scenery. It was a different type of thing. And then again, Salem, or, Salem people are actually completely nice. Yeah. Like, when we were there, they were very cool about, like, some of the way... Because, I mean, when you go to different places outside of your region... People are going to tell based on how you talk and how you pronounce certain words. And that's fine. You know, like there's nothing wrong with that. The only problem is when people get aggravated over it. It's like there's nothing really to be offended about. Mm -hmm. Like I, because like I said, there's a difference between pronouncing people's names and pronouncing the different names of towns and states and stuff. Mm -hmm. Who cares? Yes. When it comes to names, it's different. But when it comes to towns and states and stuff, again, who cares? So... Going back to Saturday night when we were at the Little Theater, we went and saw Chopping Mall, mm-hmm. which was released March 21st, 1986. It has a runtime of an hour and 35 minutes, which I believe Joe Bob said 77 to 75 minutes. Yeah, which is like an hour and 17 minutes. Right. Yeah. It's directed by Jim Winorski and produced by Julie Corman, who's the wife of Roger, Roger Corman. Corman. What? Are you going to be like this the entire time? What? What are you talking about? Are you going to be like this the entire time? What? Speaking in unison? Not speaking in unison, but, like, talking over me and jumping in when I'm trying to speak. No, we we said Roger Corman at the same time, which was perfect. It stars Kelly Maroney, Carrie Emerson, Barbara Crampton, Mm -hmm. my favorite actress, Russell Todd, John Terleski. Who's my favorite actor in it? And Jim Wynorski, who does the voice of the Killbots. Yep. Which I thought was awesome. And it's so funny, too, because the... The robots really only have very few lines, but one of their most iconic is, thank you, have a nice day. Yeah. And they say it every time they kill somebody, which and is I've, funny as fuck. I love that the crowd was getting, like, so into that. Like, Which, when... I'm going to get to that because so, there are some parts that they were cheering over that were a little troublesome, but I'm going to get to that. <laughs> 
So the synopsis goes, eight teenagers get trapped in a shopping mall after hours and three murderous security robots chase them. When Joe Bob did his introduction, introducing the Chopping Mall movie, he talks about certain highlights of the film. He talks about Carrie Emerson's line, well, sorry, I just, I'm not used to having murderous robots chasing after me. Yeah. And he talks about the exploding head scene, which he says is the second most exploding head scene. Compared to Scanners. He says that this particular scene in Chopping Mall is the second best head explosion scene in cinematic history compared to... Oh, fuck, I'm blanking on the name. What's his fucking name? Oh, Michael Ironside? No! What's the director's name? Oh, and, uh... David Cronenberg! Oh my fucking god! Help me out here, Colin! What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Anyway, compared to David Cronenberg's Scanners exploding head scene, I can see why. But here's the thing about Scanners, right? Aside from this exploding head scene, and they even say this in the 101 Scariest Moments of Horror countdown on Shudder. That's the only thing everyone remembers the Scanners. Exactly! That's the only scene from that movie that anybody remembers. And some of the people even said, I couldn't tell you what the rest of that movie was about. I can only tell you that the exploding head scene was phenomenal and Michael Ironside's performance in that scene really sold how suspenseful that moment was. So that movie was kind of a forgettable movie except for that scene. But he talks about that. He talks about some of the other actresses and actors in that movie. He talks about Jim Wynorski's, like, again, admiration for Roger Corman and all that stuff. And one thing I actually like about this, too, is you and I have both watched the Dead Meat Kill Count videos, and we both listened to the podcast. In the beginning of their podcast intro, they have a little, like, music intro with some voiceovers, clips from movies and stuff. One of the... Is Dick Miller saying, uh, dead meat. Go ahead and laugh. I have a front... Catch a little bastards who did this, they're dead meat. Very iconic for people who follow James A. Denise and yeah. Chelsea. It, I thought that was really... Like, when I first heard it, I kind of give you, like, a knowing look, like... Yeah, but I knew that way before they ever did that. Because I remember that, that line. Dick Miller had some great, famous movie lines in mm-hmm. all of his movies. Like, he was in The Howling, he was in Gremlins. I mean, not only he worked with Roger Corman in a lot of his films, but he also worked with uh, Joe Dante in a lot of his films. Mm-hmm. And that was like the best. Like that, I feel like Dick Miller is what makes the movie so great, right? In all of his films, because he always has that serious demeanor, even though it's very comedic. And I think that's what makes him so great and legendary. I mean, he's been doing it since like what the fifties. Well, the thing about that performance specifically in the scene that we see Dick Miller in, he plays the janitor or the night janitor in the mall. And when we first see him, he's cleaning up this mess. And you can tell he's annoyed by the whole thing. Oh, yeah, of And course. then when the Killbot shows up and starts kind of, like, harassing him, he kind of gets annoyed. Like, he doesn't really understand how these robots kind of work. He tries to show him his badge because that's what part of the robot's thing is. They're not going to harm you unless you present your work badge so they can scan it and prove that you're not a threat to the mall itself. And unfortunately, because these killbots are, they're not evil. They were essentially fried. Their hardware got fried during a lightning storm and that's how they become berserk. And that's how they become evil. Right. Yeah. So there there are moments in Joe Bob's speech that he highlights in the movie that kind of lets audience know, like, be on the lookout for these because these are pretty iconic. And he even mentions that in the opening scene during the mall staff meeting when they introduce the robots, he said there's some iconic horror actors in that shot that you don't really see and they're uncredited. Yeah, like the guy from Phantasm. The tall man, yeah. yeah. the tall man. Yeah. yeah. Which I was like, really? I love him. And I try to like look out for him and I didn't see him, but apparently he's the guy who stands up in the back and asks, like, how can you be sure that they're not going to be a threat to any potential employees? That's right, and that's him. Oh yeah, that God. was him. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that. that so I thought I that was really cool. That. Yeah. Like, you could tell when those moments came up, people were cheering and, like, laughing because they remember from Joe Bob that that was something to look out for, which I yeah. thought was really cool. But I just, yeah, and I just love, I forgot how funny that movie is. So mm-hmm. literally every time they did something that was just funny or just didn't mean to be funny, but it was just totally funny in that way. And the whole crowd was just busting out laughing. 
And it was just, that's what I loved about the Saturday Night Rewind shows because literally everyone's so involved in it. It just feels like watching a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, and like a every, matinee. A matinee, and everyone is just totally into it. I mean, I've watched movies there like Army of Darkness, and everyone in that crowd followed every line to what Bruce Campbell said in that film. And I like this. Like, I'm right. just sitting there smiling, grin to grin. And But especially with Chopping Mall, everyone was just clapping and applauding and laughing at each each scenes of the movie, especially the ones that didn't mean to be applauding or la- funny. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, like there were some kill scenes that everyone was yeah, just so, clapping and laughing so at. So every time one of the kill boxes got exploded or one of the people got murdered, people were in the audience were cheering. Like yeah. the exploding head scene in particular, people were fucking hooting and hollering about that scene and I was like, that's a bit alarming. Like It is. It shows how head, sick everyone is. Her head literally got obliterated you and sick bastards. people were like, Oh fuck yeah, all right. Shut like, her head off. Yeah. I'm like, what in the actual but, like, it's funny, but it's oh, like... But I was laughing. I was just like... <laughs> like and then uh, one of the things he said, too, like... Because when he talks about the cast, like, he goes through the cast lineup. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Barbara Crampton, famously known for quoting the phrase, like, we're, they're French frying us. Or got, she got French fried by the yeah, robots. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. you know, like, so when, when those moments pop up in the movie, people laugh and they cheer because they remember from because the Because it's true, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. it happens, you know. It's, yeah. it's funny. It, it's accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, like, another one where it, during the party scene when I think it's Leslie and Mike, the couple with the... Where she says like when i'm happy everybody's happy like that was one that joe bob brought up in his speech and she says it in the movie and everybody laughs but you want to know what was funny i don't know if you heard this because you were kind of sleeping during some of the parts of the movie yeah but i've already seen the movie but but i know you've already seen it and i've seen it like a hundred times you were falling asleep so anyway like another funny thing that happened i watched most of it another funny thing that happened during the movie was Anytime, like, tits were shown in the movie, someone behind us was like, <laughs> and I'm like, yo, <laughs> I'm like, can you be any more of a fucking Well, nerd? Joe Bob did say that in this movie, you're going to find ghost tits, which is basically women running by behind the girls, like, in the locker room. Yeah, so, like, naked. uncredited, faceless women whose tits just happen to show up in the frame. Which is Jim Rudnorsky's fashion. It has nothing to do with the plot itself. Yeah. It's like the showers. It's like the girls' locker room shower scene. It's random naked girls. Random naked by. chicks just walking by in frame and they have no purpose of being there. And some of them run by too. Yeah. So Which, it's like. That's why they call them ghost tits. But then the other funny thing too is like in the opening, like. Because in this movie, the opening like credits is during this montage of moments throughout the mall where people are coming and going. There's kids running by. Uh, waitresses are carrying like heavy trays of drinks and food. And then somewhere along the way, there's these swimsuit models with these sashes on who are walking through the mall in just the bathing suits. And they go down this escalator and they flirt with this guy who's going up the other side of the escalator with these boxes. And it's like, these women have no purpose of being in the movie. They're just there. Oh, yeah. And they're the boys are ogling at them because they're wearing these swimsuits in a public mall. And it's like, has, again, has nothing to do with the story. No, But they're not just much. there. Not, not at all. So, yeah. yeah, they're just there. And it's funny. So it's just a really funny movie. Like... I would say that overall, Chopping Mall is just one of those fun horror films. It's that's what I love about more it. F- fun and comedic than horror, but it's also like really interesting. It's like fun, thrilling. Like it's, yeah, it's like it's like it can be thrilling, but it's more fun. Plus, it's also like one of those things that makes you think sometimes. Like, what would it be like if you were trapped in the mall and something was trying to get to you? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It also kind of reminded me too of the ending of Fear Street, sixteen sixty six. Where they go back to 1994 and Dina and her brother and C. Berman or Ziggy, I think her name was, they are, they're trying to lure Sheriff Good, the shady side killers, to the mall. And it's mm-hmm. like after hours. That's what it kind of reminded me of. Yeah. Like they're trying to trap them in a way to get rid of them and kill Nick because the only way they can end this curse on shady side is to kill the sheriff exactly. but that's besides the point that's just kind of what it it gave me that similar vibe 
of yeah. being in a mall after hours and there's these killers chasing you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to go into the plot of the movie and then we'll talk more about it. And then towards the end, we have an actual fun game that we want to play. So Park Plaza Mall has just installed a state-of-the-art security system, including shutters across all exits, three high-tech robots programmed to disable and apprehend thieves using tasers and tranquilizer guns. Allison and Susie, co-workers at a pizzeria in the mall, join their respective boyfriends, Greg and Ferdy, along with their other friends, couples Rick and Linda and Mike and Leslie, for an after-hours party in a furniture store where Mike, Greg, and Ferdy work. Once the mall closes for the night, the couples begin to have sex, drink beer, and party inside the furniture store. Typical. I want to point something out, though. Allison and Ferdy are not an official couple when we first see them, right? Like, Greg, Mike, and Ferdy all work together at this furniture store, and Linda, Barbara, or not Barbara, Susie's played by Barbara Crampton. So Linda, Susie, and Allison all know each other, right? Mm-hmm. And they all meet up at this, you know, party in the furniture store, so that all the respective couples can hook up and Ferdy and Allison can start to kind of get to know each other. So Ferdy and Allison are watching a movie and I believe it's called Attack of the Crab Monsters, which is a Roger Corman film, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting. But this is like their first time meeting each other. So they're not an official couple yet, but they do start to bond and connect throughout the course of the movie. Yeah. So outside, a lightning storm strikes the mall several times and damages the computer controlling protectors 1, 2, and 3, which malfunction and kill the technicians and a janitor before starting their routine patrol. When Mike goes to purchase cigarettes for Leslie at a vending machine, Protector 1 attacks him and slashes his throat. Leslie goes to find him and she is chased by Protector 1, which beams a laser at her, causing her head to explode. Which, like I said, the level of cheering the audience was exhibiting when that scene occurred was a little bit alarming, but I digress. The others witness Leslie's murder and barricade themselves in a stock room. The women attempt to escape through the air vent, but Susie panics as they and they exit the vent system into an automotive shop arming themselves with gasoline and flares. Meanwhile, the men break into a sporting goods store to arm themselves with firearms. Reuniting, the group uses a propane tank to seemingly destroy Protector 1, while the men set up the elevator as a booby trap. The killbots ambush the women and ignite Susie by shooting her gasoline can, burning her alive. Greg unsuccessfully shoots them before Rick drags him away. The teenagers regroup and rig the elevator trap on Protector tr- Protector 2, destroying it. They then hide in the restaurant where Allison works. Inside, Greg confronts Allison and Linda about leaving the air ducts and exhibits rage due to Susie's death, pulling his gun on Ferdy when he intercedes on Allison and Linda's behalf. Rick tries to calm him down and Ferdy suggests destroying the Killbot's main control center in hopes of shutting them all down. The group agrees and heads to the control center on the third floor. The robot throws Greg over the railing and he falls to his death. I do want to point something out, though. So, Mike is the first one to get, well, he's not officially the first one to get killed by the robots, but Mm -hmm. in this group of teenagers, he's the first one to get killed. Yeah. Only Leslie, his girlfriend, finds out that he's been murdered. I was sad when Mike died because he was so funny. But here's the thing. I love his character. In the beginning of the movie, during this demonstration of the robots, the robots are only meant to apprehend and disarm assailants and thieves. They're not meant to kill, which is the big concern that a lot of people had when they were introducing these robots. And the guy who engineered them as doing the presentation assures them that they have tasers and tranquilizers, but they're not meant to... Have bullets or anything. Yeah, like they're not meant to fatally destroy people. Yeah. Unfortunately, because of this incident with the lightning and it fries their hard drive, it causes them to go haywire and they do kill. So after they tranquilize Mike with one of their darts, they essentially slit his throat, which kills him, which is overkill, essentially. Uh, So Leslie finds him... She screams, runs away, the robot comes and shoots her head, and nobody ever realizes that Mike's been killed. Like, there's a scene where Greg and Rick are rigging up the elevator, and they're standing on top of the elevator shaft, Uh and they both, 
wonder if Mike ever got out of there alive. And he didn't. So there's that. On the run, the four remaining survivors, Allison, Ferdy, Rick, and Linda, also find the first robot recovered after its earlier defeat. So... They, the men were able to get the robot to knock over, and they thought they had defeated it. But the robot does push itself back up and keeps on trucking. So, oh. there's that. They take refuge inside a department store and set up mannequins to confuse protectors one and three. Their plan works as they fire at the dummies, and one of them blinds itself with its own reflected laser. However, the blind protector three kills Linda and an enraged Rick rams a golf cart into it, and a bolt of electricity kills him, but his attempts to successfully destroy the robot. Protector 1 is marked as the final robot cornering Allison and Ferdy. Oh, no, cornering Allison. Ferdy rescues her and shoots it point-blank, damaging its laser just before he falls unconscious. Despite an injured leg, Allison escapes to Ellis Paint Company and sets up a trap by mixing paints and chemicals. She lowers Protector 1 inside where it gets stuck for stuck for failing and finds traction on the spilled paint and thinners. She tosses a flare into the store, igniting the chemicals and finally destroying Protector 1. As daylight appears, Allison leaves the store and Ferdy awakens. The two remain the only survivors. But in a post-credit scene, a fourth unknown Protector says its catchphrase, have a nice day one last time. And it's crazy that three of them died, but I thought they well, all died, but... There's still one left. So that could have been a sequel. They could have had making for a sequel. I don't know if it ever really did, but it's interesting. You know, I had an idea name for a sequel to Choppy Mall. Hmm. Um, it's uh, Choppy Mall to dro- uh, Shop Till You Drop. Shop Till You Drop? Yeah, that makes sense. That's yeah. kind of clever. Yeah, see? Like I said earlier, it was filled in Sherman Oaks Galleria, the same mall used in Commando in 1985. Most notably, when near the elevators, both films would have been filmed around the same time, but due to budget constraints, this movie was filmed after close of business. When you shoot on location, you kind of have to work around what the owners of the property want you to do. And the film was allowed to shoot, like I said, at a real California mall, as long as they did not damage any facilities and had removed any traces of their presence before the mall opening time of 9 a.m. I was about to say, weren't there, like, so many glass breakings in that thing? That's what I wondered, too. Yeah, like, there had to be some damage. Yeah, that's what I wondered, too, but... There was explosions, there were breaking glass, there was basically lots of violence. Well, the mall's head of security didn't like the filmmakers and was constantly accusing them of causing disrepair the mall's owner was supportive of the film and made sure the production was able to complete its work on schedule right yeah and i like that too like joe bob briggs also talked about how the robots were made and what they were made of they're essentially parts of wheelchairs yeah like the frame of it itself is a wheelchair frame (laughs) with plexiglass painted shields to kind of build up the the outer layer of the robots that's so clever and and like really like well done and then during like the shooting of the movie these things generally moved at like an eight mile per hour speed rate yeah so because of how slow these things moved the film kind of had to be sped up during moments when they showed them running or chasing like other people yeah because they moved so slow Mm -hmm. oh my god which i thought that was pretty funny i was just like wow they are they do seem pretty fast but there was a reason. <laughs> but other than that, it's such a good movie. I enjoy it very much so. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I see here that Kelly Maroney did most of her own stunts. That's cool, though. I mean, because she... There's a scene where she's trying to hide from one of the robots. And to try to hide from them, she kind of dangles over the side of the railing. And this mall is kind of like, what, three or four stories high? Yeah. And it's got all these, like, walkway beams that you can, like, walk across from one side of the mall to the other on, like, the upper levels. Yeah. So she's dangling over the side of one of the levels. Did she actually fall into that tarp thingy? Yeah. So she looks down and she sees an event tent set up. Yeah. Not knowing what's underneath it, but she thinks if she falls, it's going to break her fall and she won't get too hurt. Yeah, but I feel like she She falls. She falls through it, and she falls on, a, like, a display of luggages, which is not 
comfy at all. No. But she does like walk away with a little bit of a limp. Oh my god. That that had to hurt. The pet shop where Allison hides from the robots is called Roger's Little Shop of Pets, a reference to Roger Corman's Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Which I thought was cute. Uh, I'm like, that's awesome. And here's the thing that I've noticed too. This will probably won't tell you. In the movie that I've noticed with everything, there's a lot of like tributes to Jim Renorski's films in that thing. There's movie posters of his films that he filmed. Yeah, remember you said about sequels? There were talks about making a sequel after the film earned decent box office returns. Which, that's pretty cool. But I was the same, honey. Hmm. That they had movie posters of Jim Renorski's work in that movie. Like, they yeah. had The Lost Empire. They had other other stuff in there that I saw. And even they had, I think they had Roger Corman stuff in there, too. Like, as a tribute. Yeah. This movie was also shot in 22 days. That it is, took about a month. That's yeah. sick. Yeah. Yeah. And they had to shoot after hours, too. I mean, because most of the movie takes place during the after hours of a day at the mall. Yeah. And, yeah, I would imagine probably some of those days were spent, like, blowing out the windows and the glass and stuff. Because they had to not only... 22 days. Though. Imagine, yeah. that, like, a whole month of just yeah. doing that. Fuck. Man. Yeah. I mean, I also would imagine, too, because I know that there's special type of glass that people or production companies will use when making movies that's a little bit easier to break and easier to clean up. Yes. So they probably took some of the window panels out to mm-hmm. replace them with the the fragile ones, and yeah. then they were able to replace some so, after shooting. So this 22-day movie became a classic. Something of a classic, yeah. That's crazy. I mean, it's it's kind of up there. Like, in terms of mall horror movies, Chopping Mall is kind of up there, along with Phantom of the Mall and other like mall horror films. I feel like it inspired other mall horror films. Yeah. The Killbot claws were made from plastic toy grippers adapted with electrical solenoids. Like I said, Joe Bob talks about how these things were made and what they were made of. And like I said, they were made with parts of wheelchair frames, roller blades, plexiglass, plastic toy grippers for the hands. And it was just so funny. Yeah. I think that that whole thing was really funny. Honestly, though, I was really happy to go see it with you and Carolyn. And I felt like we were all pretty much entertained with this movie and just... Having so much fun just watching it and just just really admiring the movie itself and just how fun and exciting it is. Even though it's just it's just a small, very campy movie, but a very small campy movie can go a long ways. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that with a lot of B movies. That's why I enjoy B movies because they can be entirely fun. Yeah. Even though people think, "Oh, this is horrible. This is campy. This is cheesy. This is horrible." That's the whole point. Yeah. Like, if you don't appreciate stuff like that, it's just like, what type of person are you to appreciate movies for on, as a whole? Yeah, and I think that, for me personally, Chopping Mall, like I said, it's a fun horror film. Like, you can watch it and not get too scared about it, but it does have its moments of suspense, especially the whole cat and mouse chase between the teenagers and the robots. Specifically myself, like... I can't watch the movie Descent without feeling incredibly claustrophobic, even if I'm just sitting on my couch. But the moment where the girls are in the air vents and Susie's starting to freak out and panic, can kind of feel that sense of like claustrophobia a bit in a tight space that's heating up. It was pretty, pretty interesting. So like I said, earlier today we were watching, we were going, we're scrolling through Peacock, right? Mm -hmm. And Peacock has decided to curate a playlist of, Carpenter and Craven movies. So John Carpenter, well known for his movie Halloween, and Wes Craven, well known for his films Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream. Uh, they cult- they cultivated this playlist of some of their most iconic and some of their most obscure films. So we thought it would be a fun game to play. Yeah. So Colin's going to tell me a name of a movie, and I'm going to guess whether it's Carpenter or Craven. And I wanted to, since we were watching this, and... She- we were kind of, they were kind of like saying some of the parts that like from the creator of blah 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 John Carpenter and she was just like thank you for ruining it for yeah me. like I, I found out today that John Carpenter directed body bags which I haven't seen yet but I want to yeah but yeah it's a good one so all right so let's start the game so I picked the ones that totally not expected so so here's the first one wait how many do you have 10 yes all right yep 10 okay here's the first one all right Escape from New York, starring Kurt Russell. Is it Carpenter or Craven? Carpenter. 
Yes. I never even watched that movie, but I know it's a John Carpenter film. It's a great film. I love that movie. It's his, all right. his portray You shut your mouth. Anyway. <laughs> I'm like, his, it's all right. His portrayal of Snake Plissken was perfect. Mm. All right. Next one is Deadly Friend. Craven Deadly. or Carpenter? Deadly Friend? Yeah, Deadly Friend. Is it Carpenter? No. Oh. Craven. Okay. Ha <laughs> ha. Which right. that movie stars Christy Swanson. And it's kind of funny about that film. Uh, Wes Craven wanted to break away from horror. Well, so yeah. he was trying to make like a romance comedy type of film with Chrissy Swanson and this boy. And then the company was just kind of like, no, 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 we want you to do horror. We want you to make this a horror movie. So basically, it's basically Chrissy Swanson dies, come back to life, and she turns into like this this girl who's like a monster. Okay. And you know what's funny? Speaking of head exploding things, mm-hmm. head exploding scenes, there's the famous one in this one where she takes a basketball, throws it at the mother. Uh, she's a woman from the Goonies that like, hey, 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 that one. Oh, yeah, Mom Fatelli. Yeah, Mom Fatelli. She's in this movie. Yeah. Throws a basketball at her head and it combusts. Alright. It explodes. It's another famous head exploding scene, but it's more underrated. Alright. So, you got that wrong, loser. Anyway, and uh, wow. next one. I'm sorry. Rude much? No, nah, very much so. Uh, next one is In the Mouth of Madness. Carpenter or uh, Craven? Craven? Nope, Carpenter. Is this going to be back and forth? Is every other one going to be Carpenter and the other one's going to be Craven? No, these are randoms. All right. Uh, all right. So, next one is Deadly Blessing. Carpenter or Craven? Carpenter? Nope, Craven. Okay, you just all right. Take your time with this. Relax. This one is the hills have eyes. Carpenter or Craven? Craven. Yep, you got that right. Next one is Christine. Uh, Carpenter or Craven? Carpenter. Yep. Okay. Red eye. Carpenter or Craven? Craven. This one is invitation to hell. Carpenter. Nope, Craven. Okay. And then we got our last two here. Big trouble in little Chinatown. Carpenter or Craven? Carpenter. Yep. And then the last one we have is. This is a random one that I picked. It's not a horror one. It's Elvis, the biopic from 1979. Oh, I almost thought we were going to talk about the new one. I'm like, no. I don't even know who directs that one. I know no, it's no, not no. Craven. No, no, no. Um, no, but it's Elvis, the movie. Carpenter? Yes, actually. He actually, for once, he did well, not do a horror movie, and well, he did this. I was going to say, because you just said that the one time Wes Craven tried to make a horror film, it was rejected by the production company. So that right there tells me that anything that's associated with horror is going to be a Craven movie. Yeah. And anything action-y is going to be Carpenter. Yeah. Because I feel like even though they both do so, horror, they both have a different type of horror. Out of ten, how much did I get? You got two wrong, and then I mean, you got eight right. Alright. So Not bad. You did good. But yeah, that was a fun game. Yeah. Carpenter versus uh, Carpenter or Craven. Mm-hmm. So, other than that, would this probably include our show? I mean, conclude? Conclude. Include. Yes. Conclude. Sorry, folks. So, yes, we had uh, a fun weekend. Yep. We had fun doing pretty much everything. And just, I think, like I said before, we're going to have a relaxing day today, even though we're going to drive around a bit. Yeah, I mean... Honestly, for me, every time Halloween rolls around, especially if it falls around a weekend, you know, we try to make the most of it. And that's really all you can do when holidays fall on, like, long weekends like this. So, I feel like next year, I think next year Halloween's going to fall on a Tuesday. So, even if, like, it falls on a Tuesday, you've got the entire weekend before to make the most of your Halloween celebrations leading up to the day of. So... The best I can do is just say, make the most of your holiday weekend. That's the important part. Doing doing things you love to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think we talked about this, but I think it was like the week before. The week that we didn't do a podcast, it was because we actually went to a haunted house with some friends, right? Yeah. So we went to Demon Acres. There you have a few haunted house attractions and a haunted hayride. And they even had a couple of escape rooms. We didn't get to do those, but... We have to do some haunted houses. We didn't, you and I didn't get to go on the haunted hayride because the long for that was so long. Yeah, and I was just like, I couldn't do it. So I was just like, yeah. And I know you couldn't do it because your legs were tired. Yeah, I've been walking all day. So and that's why I was just like, you know what? I'll wait. I'll, I'll go out there with you. Like, but for the most part, it was fun. Yeah. I and mean, it was a lot to do. And we had a good time and we were with friends. So it was nice to go as like a group. 
and get to do stuff together. And I enjoyed that very much. Yeah. Yeah. At least we all got to be together. I will say this, though. I will never do a haunted house again. Because even though I'm a co-host of a horror movie podcast, haunted houses are not really my kind of thing. Oh, my God. It, it was apparent with how I was, like, going about it because I kept having you go ahead of me and I was burying my face in your back because I didn't want to see any of the weird shit and get the jump scares from the actors and stuff. But I did feel some of them, like, touch my back, which made me very uncomfortable. I'm like, don't you touch her! <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. But that only made me push into you more. Be like, move, Colin, go. Anyway. <laughs> what? Anyways. So that's uh, that concludes our uh, Abby Normal Halloween special, Abby Ween, which I am going to trademark that name because yep. that is pretty damn cool. So, But thank you all for listening. I'm hoping that you all enjoyed this episode as much as us doing it. All really, I would like to say as a little shout out to everyone, thank you all for listening and for really listening to our podcast and really getting into it. And if you're big fans of it, yes, please keep listening to us because we will keep bringing out content for you. It just really means the world to me and Aaliyah that you all listen. Yeah. And thank you. We really appreciate this. We -hmm. love you all. So other than that, this has been the Abby Normal Podcast. I am your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. Signing off saying happy Abby Ween.